Today I want to talk to you about something that is going to be worth it. You know, we can go through trials and adversities if we see that one day there's going to be a payoff. It, it motivates us, doesn't it? it? It encourages us. We spent the better part of seven or eight years trying to have our first child. People were always asking, Ryan, do you guys want to have kids? I'm like, I'm doing everything that I can do to have children. Okay. And finally, one day, we got the, the test, and it said positive. And the day that we delivered our firstborn, wow, I just thought it was all worth it. All the fertility doctor treatments and all of the tears and all of the heartache, all the disappointment, it was worth it. It was worth it. I've spent most of my life in school. I've, I've been getting degrees. I, I'm, I'm school crazy. I've read so many books, written so many papers, talked to so many nutty professors. Oh, my goodness. I wondered, did I do the right thing? I look back now, though, and I say, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it. I learned a whole lot of stuff. In the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul talks about something that is worth it. He, he begins to address the suffering of the Roman church. The first century was a really tough time to be a Christian in the city of Rome. That was the place that they had the big Colosseum and they would feed the lions with Christians. Not exactly a real cozy place to be, to be a follower of Christ. It was to that audience that the apostle wrote these words in Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. He says, one day we're going to say, it was worth it. It was worth it. He says, I know that you're going through some suffering and some struggle, but... It, this is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed at the end of time. I think one of the greatest words of encouragement to us today as a follower of Jesus is that it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. One day, one day we're going to celebrate for all eternity in heaven all of the great things that Christ has done in our lives. So we're going to say all that stuff I went through on earth and all that stuff that I went through, all the pain and the disappointment, it was worth it. It was worth it. And Paul encourages his listeners and he encourages us today by, by, by a couple of things that I want us to see. Number one, he says you ought to pray. You ought to pray about the present. We ought to pray, God help me to keep perspective in the present. Because sometimes if we only look at our problems, we forget about the whole grand scheme of things. We have to look at our struggles in light of eternity. We have to look at our struggles in light of the context, the bigger picture. And you know what? When you think about the heartaches and the disappointments that you came to church with this morning, those are a huge deal right now, and I don't want to minimize those. But when you look at all of human history and you look at all eternity and you look at spending the rest of known time with God, the little blip on the radar, the little time that we struggled here on earth is so insignificant, isn't it? And Paul wants to encourage us today just to remember something. You're hurting 
You're struggling, but see it in light of the big picture. Pray that God would help you, that, that God would give you the strength to not lose heart today because what you're going through today is small compared to all of the rest of human history. It's a small thing. And he says there's all kinds of suffering. I mean, there's sickness, there's loss of job, there's, there's relationships that are broken. Um, these are all a great reminder that this is not our home. If, we, if everything went perfect for us here on earth, we would think that this was really our home. Did you know that you're just really kind of a stranger passing through? The New Testament tells us that our real home is in, is in eternity with God. We're just, a, we're just a pilgrim. We're just a sojourner. We're just kind of passing through for a little while, but this is not our ultimate place. And if everything went perfectly for us here on earth, we would get too cozy. We would think, man, this is... This is my final place. It's that, it's that struggle that we have that reminds us, I don't really fit in here in the first place. This isn't really my home. Now, I hope you enjoy some things here on earth. I hope you have some hobbies and you love your family and you got things you love to do. But that is nothing compared to the greatness of knowing Christ. There's nothing that even gets close to it. He says, keep it all in perspective. We would be arrogant if we thought, all good stuff happened to us all the time. And suffering keeps us humble. Suffering enables us to minister to other people that are hurting. And in order that we would long for heaven, God keeps us uncomfortable on the earth. <laughs> you know, every time you struggle, remember, man, well, I don't really fit in there anyway. <laughs> I spent 15 days in Siberia when I was in college. And I left with one conclusion. I don't fit in here. This is not my home. I was going around these Russian villages, knocking on doors, sharing the gospel with people. It was unbelievable. It was a great experience. The language is different. I mean, you know, the, I, can, I can get a little Spanish. Russian? Oh, my goodness. You know, they say it comes from a whole other tree of languages, and that is absolutely true. I would be talking through a translator to somebody and I'd be sharing the, the good news of Christ and they would be rah, rah, rah. You know, you're reading people's facial expressions because you have no idea what they're saying. I'm like, this guy said he's going to string me up by my toenails. <laughs> and the translation comes back and, and the translator's like, he'd like to give his life to Jesus. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was running for the door, you know. <laughs> Very awkward. Drinking, uh, drinking chai and eating borscht. I'm not a borscht guy. I'm really not. And the men kiss men on the lips. That's the normal thing. I, I, I didn't really get used to that. There was a, an evangelist named Yvonne. He had a beard down to his waist. And he, kept, he was coming for me, man. I was playing hard to get the whole mission trip. <laughs> but upon our departure, I knew it was coming. He came in for the big smacker. I closed my eyes and I said, Lord, please, no tongues. <laughs> Made it. Wow. I got back to Moscow and I was like, I have to have some American food because I've been eating borscht. And I hate McDonald's. But that McDonald's 
hamburger was literally one of the greatest meals I've ever had in my entire life. Just loved it. Unbelievable. I didn't fit in there. Have you ever been somewhere you didn't fit in? Paul reminds us this is not really our home. We don't fit in with the world's systems. If you're a follower of Christ, you think differently. This isn't really, really, really home. We're just passing through. So pray about the present. And he says there's all kinds of suffering. And then he compares it to the groanings of creation. Now you're going to love this. In verses 19 to 22, look at this. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Uh, that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Now what do you do with that? (laughs) At the fall of humanity, Genesis chapter 3, something happened to the earth. What we know today is the earth is not the way that God created. It was part of the fall of humanity. The reason that we have tornadoes and natural disasters and and earthquakes and so many. Creation is groaning. Creation is struggling. Creation is in an angst. And we have to remember that when we think about the creation. When God sends his son Jesus again, the earth will be made right. Back to the way that God created it in the first place. And this is personification. It's that literary uh, device that's used to to subscribe an action to an inanimate object. It doesn't literally mean that the earth sits around going, What it means is that the earth is in conflict. The earth is in conflict. Listen, the earth awaits the glory of God as much as we do. And that's just another example. And he uses this example from nature to make this great point. The earth is full of bondage and decay, verse 21 says. Everything in nature wears down and it dies. And so nature is in the, in the realm of pain and suffering, just like we are. And one day it's going to all fade away when Christ comes again. Now he says, finally, in that little phrase there, um, look at it with me if you would, in verse 22. For the whole of creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Labor pains. Labor pains. We were at the hospital a few years ago giving birth to my son, Zane. I said we, you know, like I did a lot, you know, (laughs) we. You know, I I was thinking about this. It's really kind of unfair. Men have it so easy in the delivery of children. It's really unbelievable. You might hold a hand, give a word of encouragement or something like that. In the meantime, your wife is pushing her brains. I mean, it's unbelievable. Gina's in labor, and she's like, my wife is a very sweet Christian lady. I mean, she really is. I saw a side of her I've never seen before when she was in labor. I was like, oh, my God, you know, spiritual demonic. Get over here and rub my back. So I'm over there, and the bed's at this weird angle, you know, and I'm bent over. I'm a little taller than some, and I'm like, eh, 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 you know, I'm rubbing the back. And, you know, after a few minutes, my hand starts to hurt. I'm like, I don't know. She's like, keep rubbing. 
I'm like, baby, I got to sit down. <laughs> now my back hurts because I've been slumped over in this position, rubbing your back. I need to rest. That didn't go very well. <laughs> Never argue with a woman in labor. Don't do it. All bad. Thank goodness her sister was there to bail me out. Amen. So I snuggled up. It was kind of cold in the room with a blanket and a popsicle <laughs> while my wife did all the work. There were labor pains, man. Whoa. And he says, creation, creation is full of labor pains. It waits. Now, if we did a little survey of the moms here today, I think the moms would say they would be willing to go through labor again to have their children. Am I, is that correct? Would you guys be willing to do that? I think most, some, some of you are like, I need to pray about that. You know, um, um, <laughs> most, of, most of you would say, I would do it again. It would be worth it, right? Well, creation is going through labor pains, but it's going to be worth it one day when glory is revealed. You're going through labor pains today, but you know what? Those labor pains, the memory of those things will quickly go away when the glory of all eternity is revealed. That's what he says. Pray. Pray in the future, man. Pray in the present. Hang in there. Heaven is going to be great. The weight of the glory of God is going to be beautiful and magnificent. I struggle with this at times. Sometimes I go through times where I get discouraged and upset. There's times I don't sleep well at night. There's times that I get down. But I try to remind myself of my struggle in light of everything else. And the apostle wants to encourage us today. He says, pray through the present. He says, but look forward to the future. Look forward to the future. Our problems are temporal. The eternal glory of God lasts forever. And we ought to pause for just a moment and think about how great heaven and eternity will really be. Do you believe it? Pause for a moment. Think about it. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 10 says it like this. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may be displayed in our body for our momentary light afflictions is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Verse 17 ends up. Um, look at that phrase there in verse 10 again where he says, so that the life of Jesus may be displayed in our body. That comes through suffering. When you struggle, when you hurt, when you go through things, that's when the life of Jesus is revealed in and through you. Not when everything's perfect. Not when everything is predictable. Not when life seems to go perfectly according to plan. It's in the angst. It's in the struggle that the power and the presence of Jesus is revealed in us. That's part of it. That's part of it. 
that the life of Jesus can be displayed in our body. And he says in Romans 8, 23, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And I want to give you four things here related to looking forward to the future. One is our spirit, our spirit. He says, our spirit foreshadows eternity. Now he says here, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. How many of you know, the Holy Spirit is awesome. The Holy Spirit is amazing. The Holy Spirit empowers the Christian life. You cannot live, you can't live out what the Bible teaches if you don't have the Holy Spirit within you. That's why Acts 2.38 says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Holy Spirit is synonymous with power. Victory over sin. Strength in explaining the good news to others. The, the power of God within us. I mean the fruit of the Spirit comes from the Holy Spirit, right? So the Spirit is awesome. We need the Spirit. But here's what he says. Don't miss it. He says the Spirit is just a little bitty taste of the glory that is to come. Not to diminish the Spirit, because the Spirit is amazing, but compared to everything else in eternity, man, that's just a sample. Whenever we go to an ice cream parlor, my kids feel like they have to sample all of the flavors. I know they drive the people that work at the ice cream place crazy. My kids will sample 5, 10, 15 different I mean, it's like there's a huge line out the door like, I want to try chocolate vanilla fudge for the 12th time. You know, that kind of thing. But the samples are awesome because the sample gives you a foretaste of what is to come. And when you get that triple dip in a waffle cone of your favorite flavor, you know, you're just anticipating that when you eat the sample. The sample is a foretaste of what is to come. The spirit it's like a little sample. The glory of God that will be revealed is so amazing. The Spirit is just like that much of it is what he says. So <laughs> the Spirit gives us a great foreshadowing of eternity. He says not only our spirit but our salvation. Our salvation. I mean, if you look uh, there again in verse 23 and 24, we too wait with eager hope for the day that uh, God will give us our full rights as adopted children. And to be adopted children is to, be, to have the full rights of adopted children. That happens in eternity. Now, salvation. Is salvation something that happens now or later? It's both, right? I mean, when you commit your life to Christ and Christ comes into your heart, you, you, you know, you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. You have... Uh, an eternal address in heaven. You join God's spiritual family. I mean, there's, there's so there, it starts today. It's awesome. But that's the, your salvation is not complete today. Your salvation is complete in eternity. And there's many blessings of a of a Christian salvation that don't come until we see Christ again. So it is both present and future. And he's saying, finally, you will be adopted into God's family. In other words, there's a lot that is to come. Your salvation is going to be amazing. It is amazing. It will be amazing. 
And in verse 24, he says, Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? And then he says, not just our spirit and our salvation, but also our sufferings. Our sufferings will end. They will end. We also groan within ourselves and eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. I mean, while the Bible doesn't describe exactly what the glorified body is, in eternity we receive a glorified body. Somebody just thought to themselves, I'm going to be high school skinny again. The glorified body. Well, we don't know exactly what the glorified body is. It'll probably be something like the resurrected Christ. And we see that described in 1 Corinthians 15. But we know that the physical body we have here on earth is decaying. How many of us know we're a little older this year than we were last year? Amen? Right? It's a downward slide, guys. Sorry to bring the bad news today. <laughs> but when you have a glorified body, guess what? There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no despair. There's no aging. Because we're glorified like the resurrected Christ. Our natural bodies are decaying. Our spiritual bodies will last forever. And so we have something to look forward to. Our sufferings will end the pain that you feel today, you will not experience in eternity. We're with God. And it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be so great. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 43 says that we are uh, not going to have perishable, dishonorable, and weak bodies, but all due to sin. As imperishable bodies, they will no longer suffer from so many of the ailments that we know here on earth. So we don't allow suffering to weaken our faith, but we allow it to strengthen our faith. And then he says, our swag, our swag. Now, I love the word swag. Is that a great word or what? Whoever came up with swag? There's our sufferings, our salvation, our spirit, our swag. Swag is an acrostic for stuff we all get. If you've ever been to like a convention before and... You got your swag, you got a pin, you got a, you got a headband, you got a koozie, you got a t-shirt, you got a whatever. You know, you look like you've been to a convention. I showed up at a student ministry on Wednesday night with the kids and I was totally decked out in an Adidas sweatsuit. Top to bottom, I had an Adidas shirt, Adidas top, uh, Adidas sweatpants, Adidas shoes. And the kids were like, Pastor, what happened to you? You know, you, like, you look like a commercial, you know, like... Well, I had, I had a little swag, you know, there. And I went a little crazy with the Adidas. I think I had a hat on, too. Who knows? Well, <clears throat> stuff we all get. For the, Christian, for the Christian, heaven is our swag. He says, if you're patient, if you're patiently awaiting the second coming, then you have swag because when we patiently wait... All Christians get to heaven. So stuff we all get is eternity. We look forward to it. Look at verse 25. Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. So we, we got to respond with patience. We're waiting. We can't get impatient. I got to get to heaven, Lord. No, be patient. It's coming. Enjoy your life here on earth. Do, do the best you can. Love the Lord. Grow spiritually. Do the things that God's called you to do here on earth. Be patient, but it is coming. 
It is coming, and that's eternity. And if we focus on the problems of suffering, we will never come to a satisfactory answer. But God has not called us to focus on the problem of suffering. He's called us to focus on the promise of suffering. And the promise of suffering is this. If we are patient and we wait, we will see the glory of God. Pretty amazing. So when we're suffering, we got one eye on earth, we got one eye on eternity. Many of you know I love to coach the kids' basketball team. I coach my son's basketball team. I have a kid that hates to run. He hates to do conditioning. I love to run the kids just to see this one kid suffer. I mean, it's awesome. It's amazing, though. When we're running laps in practice, his side hurts. When we're in a game or we're scrimmaging, everything's fine. It's really amazing. So I keep telling him, if you will run through the pain, you won't have an ache in your side anymore because you're not in shape. If you keep running, you will get stronger and you can go further and faster than you can go today. I wonder today if the reason that God has given us some pain in our side, maybe a pain in some other places in our life, is because he wants us to remember that this is not our home. There's a little awkwardness. There's a little discomfort because God has a plan for us that is so much greater. Don't forget as you're struggling about the glory of God. Don't forget about eternity. Don't forget about heaven. Don't forget about that glorified body that one time you're going to have. And, and, and the book of Revelation tells us that all of our tears will be wiped away. And all of the struggle of earth will be past in ancient history. As we spend all eternity with God. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, you have a lot to look forward to. And when we think about eternity, it helps us get through the pain of the present. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer?